0: What's up, everyone? We're back. Dr. Lee Unhinged. I'm Dr. Shaw. I'm Dr. Maxfield. And we are unhinged. We talk about all kinds of crazy things that we see on the internet. What's trending? What's popping? What have you sent our way? What has shown up on our feeds? We cover it today. So, today we're going to be covering this list from BuzzFeed the 34 quirky products that actually work. I've actually, a lot of times you, these lists come out and nobody actually uses anything on these lists, but these are mostly viral products if you have never heard of but mostly viral products so we'll cover some of those dr maxfield's favorite he's into some weird stuff <laughs> then we're gonna cover the face kini going viral out of asia everyone is covering their entire face the face kini. and then last we're gonna cover the sales decline of olaplex why have people stopped using olaplex let's jump into it okay so first um we do this life update my life
1: update is my shirt it is pretty awesome i had a birthday recently Ah. and what did i ask for i wanted shirts and fanny packs with faces of my wife and kids and who's that on your shirt this one's my wife
0: see you know my wife also got me socks socks with her face on it as well it's like a stamp of ownership um (laughs) But I
1: think it's great. I wanted I wanted something like outlandish. I wanted the close up cropped up. It looks good. It, it actually looks it does good. look good. It actually looks really good. But anyway, that was my only shout out initially. But um, nice shirt. The, and happy birthday you. to Dr. Maxfield now turning 68. 6842 at heart.
0: <laughs> okay okay that's so actually, the product list it's right. actually quite true <laughs> life update what am i doing i'm moving again yeah. i've moved every year for the last eight years and it's actually one of the things i hate most on earth uh, but i am now moving again this time to much warmer weather so sun protection is going to become even more important to me but i'm going to have much better views than i've had in the past but i'm excited i'm excited a lot of changes coming through We've got a lot of big announcements coming for all of you just life updates over the next few months so stay tuned for that Um, but I'm I'm optimistic about the future so we'll see how things go yeah this is exciting Um, you're hard to track down
1: not only do you travel all over the world but then you make the big move every year too this is insane actually
0: I do I get antsy in one location like I I can't stay anywhere for too long otherwise I go crazy so I have to move around a little bit
1: okay that's fair.
0: Young young heart over there. Um, so we'll go to this BuzzFeed
1: article from here. Both big things in our lives. I got a new t-shirt. Dr. Shaw's moving around the world. But um, there are some good products on those list. And like Dr. Shaw said, oftentimes on these lists, it's just a bunch of, I feel like sometimes it's like sponsored content that's yeah. put oh, into yeah. these articles. Oh, yeah. You know, like someone's paid to say that their um, rice water peptide hair shampoo was like the it product. But not in this case. There are...
0: 34 products. Some of them are very... I will note though, because a lot of people don't know this and it's something I didn't know until probably maybe the last year, two years. Mm. When you see these ads, whether it... Not ads, these articles, BuzzFeed, Vogue, CNN, and you see something that's like the top 20 products of the summer or the favorite hair care trends of the summer and you see a bunch of products listed there, all of those products are affiliate links for the trade magazines. Mm. That that's not necessarily bad. They have to monetize somehow, but just bear in mind the products that they're listing there are monetized. So they're there for a reason. And if you look very closely at the top of this BuzzFeed article in very tiny size eight font, we hope you love our recommendations. Just FYI, BuzzFeed collects a share of sales and or other compensation from the links on this page. So could be sponsored, could be just an affiliate link. So just keep that in mind. This is true of every single news article that you see out there nowadays, a lot of them will be monetizing these articles just heads up.
1: I think that's actually a good heads up. We need to give more heads up probably, because we do have a lot of just information FYIs for the the people listening and watching. But okay, so pass the heads up. The affiliate links, if you like these products, go buy them. You will be supported BuzzFeed. So there are some good products. I'll pick perhaps three. Dr. shaw had one that surprised me that he had a strong opinion about um I'm these there's some legitimate ones so like the scalp massager sunscreen reminder stickers hydrochloride pimple patches give me your top three I want to hear your top three top three okay I like the shampoo scalp massager I'll start with that one okay why give us your reason they're functional so if you don't haven't seen these these are these little soft silicone brushes you use to massage shampoo and ingredients into your scalp um so I like them because they feel good if you have long hair they might get tangled in your hair so you have to do this right Um, You have to not be over vigorous, but they do feel good. It's like a scalp massage, but then you can also functionally make this work. You get your salicylic acid, your pretreatment, you work it in, break up the scale, rinse it off, get your medicated shampoo, lather it in, work it in, rinse it off. And I really do actually think this functionally elevates your active ingredients. So again, I think it's actually a nice experience unless you get your hanger tangled. And I do think
0: it can be helpful. They're not expensive either. No, they're like 10 bucks and um, or maybe even less. You can probably get them for less. So I agree with you. I think they're beneficial. I think they're functional, mostly good for people with dandruff and psoriasis. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, a lot of times you're supposed to be your dandruff shampoo is supposed to be targeted at your scalp, not on your hair, your hair. Right. A lot of times your dandruff shampoos are not great for hair, to be honest. So you really want to get them into the scalp. And the challenge is how do you get them in there? And I, I find that these brushes are quite functional, like you mentioned.
1: What did you just put on your face? I want to know.
0: What was ever, whatever was on my table, quite honestly? Mm. No, it's the number seven Future Renewed no, wait, Reversal no, Serum. Dude. No, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, Yo, hang on. I know the BuzzFeed article is sponsored, but this is not sponsored, I swear. <laughs> I swear this what? wasn't sponsored. No, that's that's wild. It's actually kind of a nice, like just sort of hydrating serum, plus it has this like anti-aging peptide in it. It's actually quite a nice product, and this one's <laughs> fragrance free, the serums I'm actually a big fan, <laughs> but that's actually insane. that is insane Dude. that that just happened, okay, okay, sponsored by number seven.
1: oh my gosh, wow,
0: really not sponsored by number seven to be clear.
1: yeah to be clear. Okay. Um,
0: okay, well, okay, so you like the scalp scrubbers, I'm with you. Let me add, let me say what I like in this list. Yeah, let me hear this. I like this idea of the flossing toothbrush. There's a toothbrush that has long bristles and short bristles in the same toothbrush. And it's basically saying that when you brush your teeth, the shorter bristles will kind of scrub the front of your tooth, but the longer bristles are meant to get in between the teeth to be a two-in-one floss plus brush. Now, I don't know functionally. I've never tried this and know if it works. But conceptually, I like the idea. One, because it adds simplicity, just like a moisturizer that has sunscreen. It's a toothbrush that flosses at the same time. And flossing takes a long time. I'll also give you another one. A lot of people are worried about longevity nowadays. They're they're worried about expanding their life forever and ever. And actually, flossing is one of the few things which has been shown to increase your life expectancy. So those people who floss daily are likely to live longer maybe up to six years longer than those who don't floss i don't know if i trust that statistic but it came from a pubmed article which you know i think if it's a simple thing to do and you can get this toothbrush that flosses why not and so if i was this toothbrush company i would say it makes you live six years longer prove (laughs) me wrong
1: (laughs) yeah i'm not optimistic so i I don't okay let me ask you this question how difficult is it for you to floss your teeth i think my teeth are very close together i have to work yeah you got dolphin teeth is that a dolphin trait, that their teeth are close together and it's hard to floss? You got a dolphin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah.
0: No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. About anyway, so dolf- check out this Dolphin brush. hygiene. <laughs> um, yeah, check out this toothbrush. All right, what else do you like on this? What um, else do you like
1: on this list? You know what i like i actually okay i kind of like this i kind of don't i kind of do i kind of don't this is the glass ice globe facial oops massagers we talked about these before because i mm-hmm. had picked these up in the live I'm like what in the world are these things brand after brand after brand are dropping these cold ice globe facial massagers and i've got one here because i have everything here and the reason i kind of like these is it just feels good. It's like really hot right now here and humid. And so it just feels good. And they're just finding ways, different ways to rebrand cold things to put on your face. I don't care if it's cucumber, spoon, the triple roller hyaluronic acid from L'Oreal. Um, they all feel fine. They feel good. They depuff. puff And I don't think these overpromise. I think no one's saying that these ice cold rollers are going to reshape your jawline and like erase your wrinkles. I think they just, it's understood that they're going to depuff puff and feel good. So I'm okay with that. I kind of like them.
0: Yeah, they're pretty banal. I, I would say, Yes, probably ha- helps to depuff. I don't know personally that I would go out and buy one if they didn't get sent to me in PR. Like I don't know if I'm on the hunt for globes. Yeah. But um, if you have some some extra budget and you want to treat yourself, then I, I, I'm a fan of the globe.
1: Yeah, globe cucumber, whatever works. All right. What's All right. The, oh let yeah. Me give you me else else like. yeah well, let me something else I like. Yeah. Well, the
0: tongue scraper. Yeah, why? Because in I do think world? if you don't brush or scrape your tongue, then your breath will stink. That's my opinion. What are your thoughts? You don't think so? I think you're like weirdly into oral hygiene. <laughs> the- <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like sometimes for some reason when I see people in public and they, you know, mm-hmm. how so many people will see you because they see your videos on TikTok or YouTube or whatever, and, and they, they come up to you in person. And... They, they know they know you from somewhere, but they can't place it like they've seen your face. And so I would say more often than once, maybe five or so times, people have come up to me in public and said, hey, you're the dentist guy. And I'm like, no, I'm the skin guy. But like, yeah, it's close enough. So maybe this is what my destiny was, was to give oral <laughs> hygiene tips. Also check out my, uh, I think it's called um, uh, The Bentist. The Bentist is, uh, mm. he's a TikToker. Uh, awesome guy and he has a um an oral hygiene company shout out to him um called something nice so go check out his products he's got some really cool products from something nice plug to my my buddy the dentist. there nice i'll check that out um
1: yeah so i think you're not scrubbing I, your tongue with my toothbrush do you know anyone else do that you just buy a
0: dedicated tongue scrubber i don't know uh, i don't know the dentists brush. are telling me that i need to be getting a one of these little tongue scrapers.
1: If you've well, had experience with
0: a tongue scraper and you're watching this on YouTube, you let us know what you think. All right, give me, give me the last thing that you got on this list that you like. Uh, okay, I kind of do like the sunscreen reminder stickers. Yeah, practical. No, sunscreen reminder stickers. You don't like these? It's 2023. Stickers? You know how many apps have reminders on them? Yeah, but I don't know. I guess. It's oh, like oh, you a mean to reapply that? To reapply. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the okay, ones that turn okay. I thought that you, like you were sun. like putting, I, I didn't read the full thing. So I thought you were like putting them on a calendar and that you get <laughs> like a sticker if you get them right. <laughs> I was like, like a there's no star. way that this is taking off. <laughs> um, okay. 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 Fair, 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 fair. I like the concept. I, I actually don't know the chemistry behind whether or not. So, so for those of you who don't know, these reminder stickers are basically these stickers that you put on the skin and they're supposed to work such that after two hours, of being out in the sun, they'll turn purple to let you know that it's time to reapply sunscreen, which in concept, and theory, is a good idea. Um, I don't know if they actually work. So if, if they do work, I think it's a great idea, actually, especially especially for those who are prone to burning and those who are prone to skin cancer, um, I think it can actually be quite beneficial. So,
1: yeah, we're talking about the same thing, day. right? We are, yeah, yeah. And I'm with you. I I need to deep dive the science behind it, but conceptually I I like it because you know you're out, you're about, you're playing. It you don't have your phone in your hand because you're actually doing something with life. Um so I like the reminder idea, the concept. So that's all. That's my list. Those are my three. All
0: right. Well, that's it for me. But I wanna say I wanna say one thing actually. Um Mm. not not it for the podcast. We're gonna keep going, but it for the list. But but I got microneedling on Friday. We shot a bunch of videos on Saturday, so if I'm looking rough in our recent YouTube videos, it's because I just got microneedling done. But I would let you, I, will, I want the, the world to know that I'm going to get really close to the camera right now so that you can see. Now, I'm still a little bit of red. You can see a little bit of like the puncture hole still, but I would say I'm four days out and you can pretty much get back to regular business four days after microneedling is my, is my final answer when people ask me. Four days, you're good to go yeah you get it done friday you're good by tuesday yep i agree i agree all right let's move on to our next article face keenies we leave the finance stuff for last because i imagine we lose most of you i haven't looked at the (laughs) analytics but i don't know how many people stick around for the for the business of beauty but we're going to cover face keenies because i actually think there's a lot of good stuff going on here with the face keenies so the article, um, let me see if we can find an article because these are coming from Instagram. Um, so face yeah. kini. What is the face kini? So the face kini was developed in, I believe, China, uh, in a coastal Chinese city called I'm not, I'm gonna butcher this. <sighs> Should I even try? <laughs> I don't Kin, know. Kin Kin Dao? King Dao um this is a city in coastal china that has popularized the face kini what is it so it's basically a full face covering all you have is eye holes mouth holes nose holes so that you can breathe but the rest of your face is covered when you go out in the sun so beachgoers in Qingdao wear this face kini so that they can protect themselves from the sun so that they don't get sun damage or and they also don't get melasma So what are your thoughts on the face, Keeney?
1: So it's interesting because functionally, I obviously could see it working and it is kind of a cultural phenomenon where this is more readily accepted there, because I think, again, just culturally, from what I understand, they do have a strong aversion to sun damage um, and then even perhaps even darker skin tones
0: now and tanning. They have a strong aversion to tanning. This is true of my culture as well, South Asia. Uh, very strong aversion to tanning so um, I I believe that's the same in China
1: yeah and I again functionally it makes sense Um, I really don't have any any sort of problem with it necessarily now the question I have is just here would you rather would, would you feel more usual if someone came sitting next to you with a face kini or a face shield like which would look more uh
0: appropriate do you think because they, they do the same this thing this is a good They're... question so you raise a very good question my friend is the face shield the american version of the face kini and i actually don't think the face shield started in america i think it started in korea i could be wrong but regardless is it the equivalent thing and we just, we find that to be acceptable with the face kini not to be acceptable. Let me actually give you the title of this article because I actually think it's relevant too. They basically said, this is coming out of CNN. Um, the name of the article is face keeneys becoming popular in China amid scorching heat waves. So temperatures reaching up to 41 degrees Celsius, which is about 105 degrees Fahrenheit. Brutal temperatures coming out of China leading to people wearing the face kinis. I'm with you. I actually think that they're equivalent um in 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 sort of ridiculousness <laughs> <Not> in, <laughs> if i can phrase it one way i i think functional i'm not saying not fun not functional but definitely some degree of ridiculousness especially if you're like going to the beach wearing this because you could just if you didn't want to get any sun then maybe you could go inside but you know what i actually this is a question i want to raise to you dr maxfield And i actually don't know the answer to this question um i've i don't think i've ever worn a face shield in public i don't think i've ever worn a face kini. i've worn a balaclava which is the ones you wear in the winter for the cold um functional for sure especially if you're in like chicago or something where it's just mm. brutal like it burns your face off if you go outside yeah. how cold it is um so i've definitely worn those Um uh, mm. my question to you is one would you wear either of these and if you had a choice which one would you prefer And then the second question I have to you is more of a scientific question, which is we know that heat plays a role in melasma. And if you're trying Mm. to ward off melasma, are both of these options not going to protect you against melasma if you're outside in 105 degrees heat and also suffocating your face? Uh, So, okay, first part of the question, are you asking if I would wear the
1: balaclava or these things or would I or would I rather wear the face shield or the, the face? Keene? Are you f-
0: w- face shield versus uh, the face Kini?
1: I don't know. I think I would go face Kini and I have no idea why. There's like I absolutely know why. no reason. Because why. you
0: could get the face Kini connected to your um, body suit that you use when you go surfing and it could just be like Maybe. a full thing. Maybe they have the hoods. They have those. They have the, they look like this. They look like the balaclavas that you talked
1: about. You just wear them in are surfing in the winter. So sure, maybe that's all. It probably is. make it's you more aerodynamic
0: if you think about it.
1: Yeah, maybe they would.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I uh, see. I second, see you as a face kini kind of guy. That's what I was going to guess.
1: Mm, hmm. Now the other arm of this would the smothering of your face potentially exacerbate melasma potentially you know melasma is such an intricate complicated thing and there's this vascular component that compounds the uv component you know probably it i think the net benefit would be positive if you're face keening it or shielding it and also smothering it but um the, yeah the alternative would be if you're really that averse to the sun you know you could not be out in the sun but uh mm-hmm. yeah so I don't know. I think still, I'm I'm just going to wager net positive the UV protection outweighing the smothering.
0: Okay. I, I think that's fair. So my thought is that with the face keenies, I could see how it's functional. You know, I will say that if you're somebody who has melasma dark spots, that rigorous sun protection is so critical to treating your melasma. I could understand the desire to want to wear a UV shield or especially if you're, you're spending a lot of money on l- different lightning treatments, different lasers to lighten your it's melasma, true. and then you know that every time you go out in the sun, you're reversing some of that, you'd be, you'd be inclined to actually try to protect yourself out in the sun. So I definitely understand the impetus to do this. I think most of the people that are doing stuff like this, you know, maybe, maybe it's not as necessary, but I, cer- I certainly think for a select group of people being very, like if you have, um, what's that condition called? Where you in, no, where you get um, yeah, zero derma pigmentosa, where your like DNA mm. just fractures with sun exposure. Then I could see why you'd maybe want to protect yourself, or if you have porphyria, um, I could see why it'd be important. So I'm not saying it's not important, but what I would say is that I do think that heat plays a big role in melasma. They've done some studies on like people who cook, and just the heat from cooking can exacerbate melasma. And it seems as if U V B UVA so UV light in addition to heat compounds the effects of UV light on the skin and so um, so I do wonder about that if melasma how much heat plays a role in melasma but um, I I, you won't catch me wearing one of these I'll
1: tell you that right now no no okay that's fine I've got two coming in the mail for us for our next
0: shooting session we'll see <laughs> <laughs> so you will catch me wearing one of these okay yeah, I'm just curious how comfortable
1: um, they are but
0: yeah, balaclavas are are not that comfortable, at least on my nose. You know, I have a kind of pronounced nose, um, and it just squishes. And I don't like it when things squish my nose. I find it to be highly uncomfortable. So I don't like actually the feeling of those on on the skin. But if you're somebody who can tolerate that, then maybe, uh, maybe that's okay. Um, and actually, I don't know necessarily that it makes you hotter, right? Because... You know, the niqab is worn uh, oftentimes in the Middle East, which is like mm-hmm. the full the full garb that covers the face. And it, 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 from what I understand uh, from people that wear it, you know, friends that wear it, that it's not hotter for them. Um, right. Like they don't feel hotter as a result of this. And so I don't know. I mean, I guess I may, maybe I have to give it a chance now. Yeah, You've Maybe expect- we stretched it. Because I think, yeah, I think
1: the thought process there, as long as the ambient temperature is higher than your body temperature, then the net positive is because it's cooling. Because, yeah, my parents spent a lot of time in the Middle East as well. They wore it. They wore that garb my mom did when she was there. So she said it wasn't that bad.
0: Watch me, like, nah. eat my words. You're just going to see me, like, 10 years from now, just, like, only wearing this in public. And uh, <laughs> like someone's going to pull up this clip and be like, he said he would never wear it. But here he is. Uh, who knows, who knows? Um, all right. So next topic that we have, and I I know Dr. Maxwell has some strong opinions about this. Mm. So this is coming out of glossy again. Uh, Olaplex revises 2023 earnings after another quarter of sales decline. So Olaplex, let me give you a little background financially of what Olaplex looks like. So Olaplex has, I don't even know how many products, but I think it's like only like eight or nine, like it goes from like zero to eight or something like that. So it's so a limited product, limited SKU selection, they have dominated the hair repair space for many, many, many years. And so big that they eventually IPO'd, I believe, in 2021. IPO is when you do like an initial public offering. So bas- basically you're available to trade on the U.S. stock exchanges. So Olaplex got so big that they actually IPO to the public. So you can actually buy stock of Olaplex nowadays. So when, when Olaplex IPO, it IPO at like a valuation of $15 billion since its IPO in 2021, Olaplex has declined in sales and valuation and they continuously have, have had declining sales and their declining sales have led them from a $15 billion valuation when the public bought in to a about a 2 billion valuation today. So they've lost about 85% of their value in the last two years. Wow. Um, and you know, I'm curious as, as somebody who's very much involved in the skincare and haircare space, what we think is contributing to this separate from like what the analysts are saying. Um, I, I, I have this idea that about two years ago I had this, this epiphany, um, that there was not enough science hair haircare mm. and that a lot of the major brands had been neglecting the hair space that I I know my patients come in and, and worry about hair. And as a physician, as a dermatologist who treats hair loss and hair concerns, I didn't feel like there was a lot of science in the hair products that were existing out there. And the only option at the time was Olaplex to repair damaged hair. Uh, now, in 2023, uh, there have been several other competitors to come into the space. And so, Uh, We can talk a little bit about the lawsuit and legal issues that they're going through. But I think part of this is just increased competition. You have K-18, Kerastas, several others um, that have entered the space and, you know, really have taken, I I would suspect, a large market share from Olaplex because at one point they were first and biggest. And now I think more people are interested in the space. And I'm I'm actually really excited about this as a dermatologist because I really want more options for my patients. I find that there really wasn't a lot of options and people were kind of stuck with olaplex and now that there are more options out there i'm excited about that we well,
1: get yeah. okay so the last part of that i completely agree with um actually a lot of that i completely agree with actually so one is that yes science is incredibly lacking in the hair care space. it's unreal actually and it's unfathomable as a dermatologist and a doctor to go through hair care data because almost every study published on the ingredient is a sponsored study but we're not talking about the clinical formulas like that's acceptable a brand studying their formulation of data-backed ingredients is the usual. That's how science works. That's how product development works. But the basis of the individual ingredients being sponsored is very unique to hair care. Like skincare is millennia, and not really like, but probably 30 years ahead of that. Now, Olaplex, I do know they take great pride, and they genuinely believe their products clinically uh, are data-driven. They are very passionate about collectively, I've talked to their team. Um, I know that this is like individually, they, they really personally and professionally believe that these products do what they say they're going to do, clinically, they have studies behind the scenes, that they've tested all the stuff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think I really think the lawsuit, it, it was untimely, but I also think that it uh, exposes the bigger picture in hair care. Like this is a vulnerable space. We've seen this a mm-hmm. few times with different brands where a people someone will have an untoward reaction and it does there you know, although we don't never have the data or the uh, actual person or patient complaints about it it does seem to stem from irritant and allergenic reactions causing inflammation and then the potential end point of this is inflammation and hair loss and that's what the suits tend to be about and we've also said in our videos that hair products are notorious for containing allergens and irritants it's just the nature of the beast right now and let me just read off the list so this list is from npr this is from like when this all blew up back in february so this is we're six months out and i think the lawsuit's ongoing i don't think there's any end point and conclusion to this but these are the lists of ingredients that were by npr reported as problematic panthenol b5 sodium benzoate ascorbic acid And they considered that the combination in sodium benzoate and ascorbic acid could, in theory, create benzene. They never said, and I don't think there's ever been any information saying that benzene was ever in any of these products. But this is almost like the niacinamide um, vitamin C. No, what is it? Yeah, niacinamide vitamin C argument that in theory, potentially, it could be problematic. And then in these, the complaints were that there were potential allergens and irritants that led to inflammation and possibly caused hair loss. And that's tough because even in the skincare space where I think we are a bit more data-driven and there's, I think, a lot of decades more research behind it, 90% of the products in my room not only have allergens and irritants in them, but some of them are deliberately irritating. Your retinoids, your exfoliants, those definitely can be irritating, functionally so. And I think a lot of hair products, especially like your sodium lauryl sulfate, That's a good example of a functional potential irritating ingredient. So it's long-winded, but I'm just not sure that there's a whole lot of validity. And I think this is still the first of many similar problems in the hair care space that are going to come out.
0: Yeah, it's sort of interesting that they targeted panthenol and vitamin C and sodium benzoate when you really look so probably the most popular product from Olaplex and someone could correct me if I'm wrong. Probably the most popular product is Olaplex Number Four. Um, I think maybe that's what started it all. If it's not the one that started it all, it, in my opinion, it's probably the most most popular. There's probably data on this, but it's my opinion. Um, and when you look at the ingredient list, um, there are ingredients that are more likely to cause allergy and irritation on the scalp, but these never seem to be named in the list of problematic ingredients when we talk about shampoos. So when we We, OGX had some issues in the past. Tresemme had some issues in the past. Olaplex now having issues. They all seem to name ingredients that are not common causes of allergy and irritation. Um, Like for example, when you look at this ingredient list, you have um, fragrance, you have cinnamon, you have limonene, you have other ingredients that are known allergens and irritants, but they seem to always neglect these. And, And this is true of also OGX. Uh, tresemme issues that they neglected a lot of the common allergens and irritants and focused on maybe some ones that are certainly could be allergens or irritants but uncommon allergens and irritants and you know what's interesting about hair loss clinically as a physician is that oftentimes and and this is why I think and, and I'll tell you two reasons why I think that these lawsuits around hair care are so common and unfortunate, one is because um hair loss a lot of times is very nebulous. We as dermatologists, oftentimes never get to the root cause of hair loss. We sometimes order labs, a lot of times the labs are normal. Um, We try to hunt down any stressful situations that could cause rapid hair loss, we try to ask about hair dyes and common allergens that they're using in their scalp. And oftentimes, we never trace it to the root cause. And all we end up doing is treating the symptoms, unfortunately. So that's one issue. So I think when you have a bunch of hair loss and you're you and, and this leads me to part two. When you have a bunch of hair loss, you oftentimes can't find the cause and you end up trying to blame something that you're using in your routine. And a lot of times it's your shampoo or some type of hair product. And you know, if you get enough people using a particular product, you'll get enough people, just statistically, that have had hair loss while using that product that likely is unrelated to the product. I'm not saying it's not the product, I'm just saying it's likely not to be related to the product, just because I see so many people with different hair routines common with this type of hair loss where we never find the root cause and the second reason why i think these hair loss lawsuits are so common is because hair loss is very 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 emotional for people it's hair it's emotional for me when i lose hair loss it's emotional for my patients it's emotional for my mom my siblings you know all of us mm-hmm. suffer for, with hair loss and when they you know especially you know the women in my family with longer hair like you know, they'll say like, Oh, you know, it's my my hair was so much thicker before like, I, you know, now like I can, you know, my scrunchie, like I barely get one wrap around it. And, you know, and it really like they'll look at old pictures and see, Oh, my God, my hair was so full back then. I didn't appreciate it when I had full hair. And so it's very much an emotional thing for people. And I and I would say of all the patients who have cried, in my office over their skin or hair conditions, hair loss has about half of the patients who have cried Mm. in in the office. And so it's very emotional for patients. So now you have this very emotional condition and you tie it with, um, a condition where the, where the cause is very nebulous and then you end up with lawsuits, right? Because people are just trying to get to the root cause and get their hair better. And so um i think that that's you know why this happens and then of course like these these companies and the people that work at these companies unfortunately are caught in the crossfire now of course if there's a product that's not safe and harmful and causing people to lose hair i don't think it belongs on the market but a lot of times i think that these these lawsuits are oftentimes unwarranted because a lot of these products have been out for a, a very long time and never really caused problems and then you know everyone kind of gets together and you know puts together a class action unfortunately so i don't know about this i don't know if there were ingredients that were problematic together um, but that being said um oftentimes i think it's the combination of those two things i mentioned yeah yeah
1: and another thing too is that, uh, another com Listen, here's another thread that's going to be a problem going forward i think with skincare too is another ingredient they said was problematic was Lilial um and what's liliol well this is it's used for multiple reasons one of which is a perfuming product but there's actually multiple functional properties to this but it was banned by the european union and why is that Mm -hmm. important well people claimed that oh well this had liliol in it and actually I, i believe and i'm pretty darn near positive i'm correct on this i think olaplex actually was ahead of the timeline proposed by the eu to remove this ingredient but the EU is very quick to ban ingredients. And I said this before, I'm not coming after you, head and shoulders. I use head and shoulders. Zinc, pyrithione was named on this list, and nobody cares. Like, <laughs> I have no idea why, in the same list where multiple other ingredients were named, people are losing their minds about these ingredients. Lilia is not even one of them. There are multiple other ones, but no one cares. Mark, Mark about Zinc, my words
0: on this podcast that we're shooting today in August, 2023, that there will be a public repudiation of zinc Pyrithian as a result of this EU ban. It just hasn't caught on yet. And so people, once they become aware, there will invariably be a TikTok that goes viral where somebody says, if you're using this anti-dandruff shampoo with zinc barythian in it, just know it was banned by the EU because of toxicology issues. And then everyone, you know, gets up in a scare, even though, you know, we we often recommend it for dandruff all the time. So I watch. mark my
1: words, just wait. You know the craziest thing? You're. I think you're 100% right. I think that moment is all hinging on a viral TikTok. I, I think that's actually what this moment, I've been talking to this, Publicly and to brands behind the scenes about this ingredient. Since this happened, I, 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 behind the scenes, I'm like the only one I feel like who's mentioning this. And, uh, but yeah, I think we're waiting for a viral TikTok, and that's going to be the spark that condemns zinc pyrithione. And like, that's kind of sad, actually. But, but I, I, I think that's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back.
0: I, I think when these things happen, it just gives people that don't have access to. Dermatologist, less access to products that work, right? So, zinc perthine will invariably be pulled off of the European markets, and then soon probably in the US will follow at some point down the line, or at least the fear mongering around the ingredient will cause it to be pulled from the shelves from the brand's perspective, right? So, now you mm-hmm. remove this ingredient, what are you left with, right? So, you have less and less options for people to treat themselves, similar to how hydroquinone was pulled off of the market for for melasma and hyperpigmentation and then it just gives you less options as the consumer in order to you know really treat your skin condition so that's the unfortunate part of it is that you know effective treatments are often pulled as a result and then less effective or less safe ingredients are substituted as a result
1: yeah yeah we'll see We'll see where this goes. We'll see,
0: but mark my words, it's coming invariably. Mm -hmm. We'll see it. It'll pop out of the woodworks one day and I'll say, Dr. Maxfield, you called it first. Um, So, all right. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Dr. Lee Unhinged. Let us know what you want to see next time. Uh, We are posting these on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube on our new channel, Dr. Leon Haines. So make sure that you check those out. If you like the video format, we got the video format. If you like the audio format, check out the audio format. And as always, we appreciate all of you in the Dr. Lee family. Thank you all so much for your support and let us know what you want to see next.
1: Thank you. We appreciate you always. Thanks for being on this journey with us.
0: Face Keating 2023.